Second Corinthians 4 and Hebrews 10. Second Corinthians 4 and Hebrews 10. Talking about the spirit of faith. Let's pray before we read and believe the Lord for, you know, not just for you to sit there and be bored or just sit there and just listen to me. Church is supposed to be more than listening to the preacher, right? We have a mighty teacher and I'm not talking about me, the Holy Spirit, the one who is in me and in you and he can say things to you that I never even said. Right? Things in between the lines or something about something that was said that can solve a problem you've been having for years. Answer a question you've been in the dark about for a long time. You just see it and know it in a flash. Change your life. Do we really believe that God speaks to us when we come to church? That's an awesome thing. Amen? I mean, what do you think if the world really believed God was talking in here tonight? See, it's not real to people, is it? But he does speak to us through his word. He does speak to us through his spirit. Amen? And it wouldn't be any more real. It wouldn't be any more him if he came down through the ceiling and you saw Jesus and you heard him with your ears. It wouldn't be any more the word of God than this right here. So let's believe we receive. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of hearing your word. Give everybody eyes to see and ears that hear and a heart open and receptive. Show us exactly what you want us to see tonight. And Lord, we want to change anything that needs to be changed. And and we want to be doers and not hearers only. Thank you for giving answers to questions, direction, solution, help. Right now, we look to the great, mighty Holy Spirit, whom you've sent to indwell us and to be our guide. And we yield to him and cooperate with him. And we give you all the glory. And we say, we are doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 4. Let's continue talking tonight about the spirit of faith. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13, he said, we... Having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Same spirit of faith. Same spirit of faith that was in uh, Adam when he named all the animals. Same spirit of faith that was in Abraham. When he left home and went out not knowing where he was going. Same spirit of faith that was in Moses when he stretched out his rod and the Red Sea parted. Same spirit of faith that was in David when he faced Goliath. Same spirit of faith that was in Elijah when he called down fire. Amen. Same spirit of faith when the prophet prophesied over the dry bones. Same spirit of faith that was in Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. Same spirit of faith that was in the Lord Jesus, our master himself, when he cleansed the lepers and walked on the water and raised the dead. That same spirit of faith is in you. 
and in me tonight. And then like all them believed and said and things happened, you and I believe and say and things happen. That's enough to shout about right there. Amen. Somebody said out loud, I believe. And I say. And things happen. Amen. Why? Because you got that same spirit of faith in you. Mm, Hallelujah. I like it already, don't you? Well, go with me over to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews 10 and verse 35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. That's a faith word which has great recompense or reward, for you have need of patience. That's a faith buddy. (laughs) Do you know that you don't have any more faith than you do patience? Apparently a lot of people didn't know that. (laughs) No, you don't. Let me say it like this. Do you understand that it does you just as much good To believe God for three days and quit as to not believe God at all. You get the same results. Believe God real strong for a week and then say, well, forget it and quit. You'll get the same results as if you hadn't even tried to believe God at all. It's not enough to just believe God real strong a little bit. You've got to believe God until faith and Patience, and that word literally means perseverance. You believe God, and you keep on believing God. And the word reads the same today as it did six months ago. And I'm saying the same thing and expecting the same thing today as I did a year ago. That's the people that get results. The people that are not moved by changing feelings and changing circumstances and changing reports. This report does not change. Right? And you've got to stay on that. And, you know, you'll be tempted. Sure you will. And and I know uh, some years ago, I'd been believing for something. Phyllis and I had been believing for a particular thing. And months had passed and it hadn't happened. And a year passed and it hadn't happened. And two years passed and it hadn't happened. And the enemy was bringing thoughts to my mind. I don't mean I was hearing voices, but these thoughts had come to me. This is not working. Look at here. Two years and you're further from it now than you were when you started. This, you you know, you're just dreaming. And, and th- these thoughts were coming. It ain't working. It kept coming to my mind. It's not working. Any fool could see it's not working. It's not working. And so we were going into a restaurant to eat. And I told Phyllis, I'm going to go in here and wash my hands. And I went in there and I'm standing at the lavatory washing my hands. And this had been coming through my mind for days. It ain't working. Look, it ain't working. And the Holy Ghost up in, in my spirit, he said, hold on. Keep believing. Be strong. In a little while, it'll be all right. Hold on, hold on. It won't be long. Your faith will turn to sight. I thought, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Is hold on and not quit. I'm going to keep I've been believing for two years. Why quit now? And you know, the devil is a known liar. If he says it's not working, what should that tell you? If it wasn't working, why would he be bugging you? Right? Think about why would he be bugging you with these thoughts? And it's not working. It's not working. He ought to be happy then. Why would he say a word? 
No, if he's bugging you, telling you it's not working, that's one of the surest signs that it is working. Hmm? And it must be working real strong and putting a lot of pressure on him and he's wanting you to quit. Because if you don't quit, he nor all his cohorts can keep the thing from happening. Faith and patience. Through faith and perseverance or patience, we inherit the promises, the scripture said. So he said, don't cast away your confidence. It has great recompense of reward. You have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. We've been talking about, you know, going in now into the 11th chapter of Hebrews. And seeing all the examples of living faith in verse 1, you know, he gives us the, uh, the abstract definition. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But don't stop there. Verse 2, through the rest of the chapter, he gives you living examples of what he just said. Yes. Amen. And one thing about faith, you know, James talks about dead faith versus living faith. Remember reading about that? He said, faith without works is dead. And so you see, every one of these cases, not somebody just sat on the side and waited to see, they did something. They said something, they did something that was an outflow of their faith. It was their faith put into action, and they got results there in the book. One thing we saw here, he said, God doesn't take pleasure in those that draw back. Faith doesn't draw back. Faith steps out. Everybody say it out loud. Faith Faith steps out. out. Amen. And we talked about, you know, we talked about us stepping out into this new area of ministry. And how all the things that have happened this past year. God's done so much for us. I mean, all this money that's come in and all these people that's been saved and all. Eight brain miracles. Miracles of the brain. Eight in that area alone, just this that last few months. Well, what if we hadn't stepped out? Well, see, what if you don't step out? We talked about people, you know, people tithe and they give and they claim and they make confessions for prosperity. And then the Lord leads them. Here's a new venture to open another branch of your business. Here's another thing. To, and people are afraid. But that's where your harvest is is in stepping out into the areas he leads. And if you, if you get scared and you just want to play it safe and you don't want to step out, well, then you're drawing back. And you're, you're, not, you're not yielding and giving place to your faith. And the Lord's not pleased in that. because One reason is because he can't bless you like he wants to because you won't step out and obey. Say it out loud again. Faith, faith. steps out. Steps out. Well, I could just spend the rest of the night on that. It's scary to step out sometimes, but you got to not yield to that fear. Huh? You don't, I mean, it hasn't happened yet. You don't know what's going to happen when you take this venture, you know, but faith obeys, faith steps out and there's so many blessings that are never realized, so much promotion that is never experienced because people refuse to step out. Say it out loud, I step out, I have faith, faith steps out. He goes on to say, we are not of them who draw back 
unto perdition or destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And he gives us the definition of faith in 11.1. Verse 2, by faith the elders obtained a good report. That goes along with verse 6, that without faith it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The elders were spoken well of, many of them recorded and and, uh, praised in this chapter because of their faith. Faith caused God to give them a good report. What's going to cause God to give us a good report? Our faith. What's going to cause God to look at us and say, well done? Good and what? Faithful. Full of faith. Servant. I'm telling you, some people want to find, for, well, y'all are just that faith bunch. You bet. You got that right. That's, you didn't cuss me. You made me happy. You're just a faith preacher. Absolutely. Pray for me to be more of one. Amen. Well, you're too, too much faith. Hyper faith. What is that? Hyper faith? I'm quoting from some opponents of the so-called faith message. Faith is not a movement. Did you hear me? Faith is the only way to please God in the earth. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Your faith will make you whole. Amen. Your faith allows God to answer your prayers. Everything and anything we do is only acceptable with God and pleasing to God according to the degree of faith that it's done in. Verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by what? By the word of God. Now, we got through reading 2 Corinthians 4.13, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. Speaking is the number one way, the primary way of releasing your faith. Not the only way, but it is the primary way that you release your faith, that you put action to your faith. And in some cases, no other action is required than speaking. When you got born again, how did you release your faith? Hmm? If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So you got two things going on here. You got believing in the heart and you got what? Speaking with the mouth. You didn't have to jump off the house to get saved. You didn't have to swim the lake to get saved. You didn't have to give some huge amount of money. What'd you do? You believed in your heart and you released that faith through your mouth. Well, that's how God created the universe. Right? We understand that the worlds, not just the earth, all the planets were framed. They were created by God's faith through his words. He conceived it. He believed it. He released that faith through his words and it created planets. Oh my. And that same faith, not in the same measure... But that same faith is in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if we'll learn how to use it and learn how to release faith with our words, we can release creative power. 
power to change things in life in our lives and our family and in others that will receive it. If somebody says, well, I don't believe all that, you know, that name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. I don't believe all that. Well, then you won't be bothered with it in a positive way. And yet in your ignorance, you don't realize it just worked. You believe it doesn't work for me positively. You said it doesn't work for me positively. It just worked for you. Mark eleven twenty three works for everybody all the time. Saved, unsaved, makes no difference denomination, makes no difference if you think you believe in faith or healing or prosperity or tongues or do or don't. It works for everybody all the time. Faith is a mini splendored thing. I mean, it's like a diamond with so many different facets. Faith is the same in essence, but it must be developed in each area of your life. You can have faith that you're saved, strong faith that you're saved. That doesn't mean you have any faith to be healed. Did you hear me? You can have strong faith to be healed and have little or no faith to prosper. You can have faith for prosperity, not have faith for healing. Have faith for healing, not have faith to be protected. You understand what I'm talking about? That's why we need to feed on all the Word of God. And some people are strong in one area and not so strong in the other. And don't presume if you call yourself Word and Faith or Charismatic, don't think that you're superior to other Christians. You might be stronger in faith for healing or for prosperity, but another denominational group might be a lot stronger in another area of faith than you are. And there ought not be any competition. And a smart person will want to glean from everybody. Amen. Amen. And if they believe some stuff you don't believe in or that's not scripture, that's all right. Just smile and keep listening for something they got that you don't. Right? Don't get upset. And just glean from the good. You know, get eat the best and leave the rest. And if you do that with everybody, you'll be you'll be enriched. Amen. And and again, now don't get to feeling superior. One thing that some people from some other denominations of Christians have found fault with so-called word and faith people is that they they have said that they act prideful, they act superior, or know-it-all. And some of that may be justified in some circles. See to it that you don't act that way, because it'd just be a lie. Any, If you do know a little something more in one area, there's probably 150 other areas that you're just getting started in. And some of these other guys may just put, you know, put you to shame in that area. So thing is, don't compare and don't compete. Just appreciate and let's try to grow in all areas. Amen. You see this in each one of these passages. Enoch had faith to fellowship with God and commune with God. To just walk out in the woods and go, God, you're here. I know you are. I don't see you. I don't feel you. But I know you're here. So I'm going to talk to you. And I believe you'll talk back to me. Takes faith to do that. And he walked with God. He developed so much in faith to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship faith. He developed so much in that until he'd get so caught up fellowshipping with God, he didn't know where he was at. 
Except he was with God. That he was, it was so real to him that he was with God. And he is talking to God and God was hearing to him. And he was hearing from God. When people say, well, I don't hear from God. Lack of faith. I pray, but God's not real to me. Lack of faith. Did you hear me? I never hear from God. Lack of faith. I know folk don't like that answer, but it's a fact. He got so, boy, you see how still it got? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of, get in this book. Amen. And the more your faith grows, the more more real God will be to you. And when you kneel down to pray, it won't just be cold and dead. You, you'll go there, not just religiously and deadly, but you'll go there with faith. And when you do, you draw near to him in faith. He's going to draw near to you in faith. He's going to be real to you. It's more up to us than people have thought. And he, and he got so strong in faith, fellowship faith, that he looked up one day and he had left the planet. Amen. And he was with God at his house. Amen. And the Lord said, you just stay with me. You're going to have to come later on. Just stay. And he, the Bible said he was not means he was gone. My, my. Because of what? Faith. faith. We see Noah had faith to get ready. Preparation faith. Amen. Abraham had faith to obey. Sarah had faith to receive. Receiving faith. Abel had giving faith. Faith to give. In fact, how many remember the scripture said in, in Galatians that faith works by love? Right? And the chief expression of love is giving. Now the Lord said that to me some years ago and I wondered about it. I thought, now is that right? I mean, the greatest expression of love is giving? I, was, I thought, am I, am I hearing right? And while I'm thinking about that, he brought with force to my spirit. John 3.16 God so loved the world that he gave. What's the greatest expression of love? Giving. Giving. And... Faith works by love. So giving and love and faith are interconnected. Read the scripture here. Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Everybody say excellent. excellent. Does faith and excellence have anything to do with each other? Yeah. You show me a faith person, I'll show you a person of excellence. Amen. Amen. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous by his gift. And God testified of what? Of his gift. His gift, his faith gift and his love gift. And by it he being dead, I mean, uh, Abel's been dead a long time. We're not talking about centuries. We're talking about a whole lot longer. He didn't live long. In fact, I, I looked up his name and, and, and some definitions of his name say vapor. And you know, he was here such a short time compared to the rest of them that were living it during that time. And it sounds like he was killed 
in, in youth or early life. We don't know exactly how long, but compared to the rest of them, it was short. But you know, it doesn't, that, the main thing is not how long you live. Did you hear me? People are not in here just based on longevity. He didn't live that long. But he is in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the, the hall of fame of faith for what? For his giving. And it wasn't because it was the biggest gift that had ever been given necessarily. It wasn't because it was the largest amount necessarily. Why? Because it was his best. And it wasn't just his best in the natural. It was the best from his heart. And he gave it in faith. Believing that God would know it was the very best he could step up and do. And believing that God would know that he, uh, his heart was expressing himself to God. Going, God, I love you so much. You're the best and you deserve the best. The very best I can do for you is the only thing that's acceptable in this sacrifice. And because it was that way in his heart and in action, he's here in this book. Now go back to Genesis. Let's remind ourselves of, of some detail of his gift. Everybody say faith to give. Faith to give. Giving, faith. Giving faith. Now while we're turning back there, let me tell you something. You, you probably won't be any more excited about it than you were about the faith and patience deal. But you need to know it. And it's a fact. Your faith to receive is not going to surpass your faith for giving. Your giving faith and your receiving faith are connected. When you reach your choking point on giving, you just reached your limit on receiving. Did you hear me? And everybody relax. We've already received the offering. <laughs> I'm not planning on any second offering. This is just a fact. It's the law of seed time and harvest. It's the law of sowing and reaping. If you sow five acres, you're not going to reap all 500. Right? We, we know that in the natural. And it takes faith. I mean, these farmers that are going to go out and sow 2,000 acres... It takes faith to invest the money and the time and the effort to put all that seed into the ground. Right. And somebody that didn't believe it was going to be a good year, didn't believe they was going to have the rain, didn't believe it was going to make, they wouldn't do it. But if you have enough faith, you plant big. That's right. Amen. Amen. He that sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. He that sows bountifully and generously, reaps bountifully, generously. Now, now get this. He who sows or she who sows her best is going to reap what? The best. God's best. You know, uh, some people, bless their hearts, 
I know of more than one situation where people were throwing stuff away. They, they got their junk out and they're headed to throw it away and thought about the preacher. <laughs> and thought, well, you know, my preacher might want some of this. Or not just a preacher, anybody. So-and-so might want some of this. You know, some of our relatives actually were telling me recently they had been listening to some of our tapes and, and the kids had overheard them. You know, these, you, these kids are sharp. They'll get stuff you didn't get. And they were playing a tape and doing some house cleaning and, and weren't, weren't paying attention. And the kid was listening to some of this and something had happened to somebody in the community. And, and the mother told the, the little girl, you know, go up there and get some of your clothes and stuff and we'll give to the... Uh, to these people, their house burnt down, and they they got kids, and we and and she went up there and got the best stuff she had, Amen. and brought it down. And her mama said, "Baby, that's your best stuff. That's your best." And she started trying to tell her, "You know, well, you don't want to. That's the very most expensive stuff you got." And, and the little girl spoke up and said, "Well, yeah, on that tape, that man was talking about we're supposed to give God." A and boy, she said, "Okay, all right, you know." <laughs> but if you sow junk, you'll reap junk. Multiplied. Who wants a hundredfold junk harvest? <laughs> you sow wore out stuff, you're going to reap wore out stuff. Multiplied wore out stuff. <laughs> we don't want junk harvest. I know uh, you're familiar with Brother Reinhardt Bunky's ministry. Uh, such huge, you know, uh, crusades that they're having in Africa. And uh, one of the, some of the first big crusades that he had, this was years ago, he was needing trucks for his tents, and he was just expanding into some of these huge things, and he was needing trucks, and he couldn't find them. And his money was short and tight, and so he was looking at different places and talking to somebody about this this old truck and this other old truck, and, and he's out in the salvage yard. And he found some old trucks that maybe he could fix up and maybe he could try. And he said, uh, and he was frustrated because he'd been after this for some months now and he, and he, and he don't have what he needs. And he said, God, you help me out with this. I need these trucks. I need to quit thinking about this. And the Lord said, you're not going to find me out here. <laughs> this is not what you need. You're looking for me in this rusty stuff. Now don't misunderstand me, I know that there's there's salvage business and, and there's places for that, but when we're doing gospel work and when we're doing campaigns and, and we're doing we ought to do, we are where we are. We, you know, we might not be able to go out and just buy the most expensive thing, but we ought to do the best we can right now. Anything less shows a heart problem. I said, anything less shows a heart problem. Amen. You know, every area, whether it's music, whether it's children, whether it's the parking lot, you, you know, there's things we'd like to do here already. But you are where you are. But there's no excuse for saying, well, you know, that's good enough. And you could have done better. That's a problem. And God knows it. Other people might not know it, but he knows it. Because he sees your heart. And with him, only your best is good enough. It's quiet, isn't it? 
don't, don't be condemned, be encouraged. Amen. Say, so, yeah. Here's the question. Can you give God your best? Is there ever a time you couldn't give him your best? There, there's never would be a situation where you couldn't give him your best, your best effort, your best work, your best involvement. Now, maybe your best wouldn't be so high compared to something else, but it would be your best. When you do something from the bottom of your heart, the very best you know how to do it and to take it as far as you can and you're able to say, that's the best I know how to do. If, if, I, if I knew better, I'd do better, Lord. That's the best I know. He looks at that and calls it perfection. Now, if that's strange to you, don't just take my word for it, study it out. But that's what he calls perfection. That's what he calls a perfect heart. Wholehearted. Genesis 4, 3. Well, let's read verse 2. Well, let's read verse 1. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings. Everybody say firstlings. Of the firstlings of his flock and of the what? The fat. The best. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Does the Lord care about offerings? Now when we say offerings, don't just think money now. Don't just think passing the plate. Do you understand your whole life is to be an offering unto the Lord? Hmm? Hold your place. Go to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? Present. Present. Is that, would that be like an offering? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? You're talking about my whole body? Living. It'd be easier to lay it on the altar and burn it. It'd be done. <laughs> but this is every day. Living sacrifice. Unto, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We, 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 don't, we need to get away from just giving at offering time. That's, that should just be the most natural thing for us. To give at offering time. Because we are offering unto God our best from the time we open our eyes. The best we know. Pray the best we know. Live the best we know. Be a friend to others the best we know. Be a good employee the best we know. Be a good boss the best we know. Right? Right. That is offering unto God an excellent sacrifice. And when these two men came and brought their offerings before the Lord, some people say, well, the problem was Cain brought 
from the field and it should have been a blood sacrifice. Well, I, I don't know that I see support for that. Nothing was said about being a, an atoning for sin sacrifice. It just says it was an offering. And the Bible didn't say that he was not pleased with Cain because it wasn't a blood sacrifice. It, it says in Hebrews, it was a faith deal. Right? It was a faith issue. So apparently, Cain did not bring his offering in faith like Abel did. Then how did he bring it? Huh? His, his whole heart wasn't in it. Right? Couldn't have been. Faith and conscience are inseparable. Your faith and your conscience. Let me take time and read you some scriptures. Don't, don't turn there, but just listen to these. The scripture says in 1 Timothy 1, The end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and of good conscience and faith unfeigned. Did you hear the connection? A good conscience and faith unfeigned. Verse 19, 1 Timothy 1, just listen. Hold to faith and a good conscience. Faith and a good conscience. 1 Timothy 3.9 Hold the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Faith, pure conscience. Now here's the other side of this. Titus 1. To the pure all things are pure. But to them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Unbelieving people have a defiled conscience. People who are full of faith have a pure, clear conscience. And if things are bothering your conscience, that is undermining your faith. Are you with me? Because faith is of the heart. And anything that bothers your heart is going to affect your faith. Are you with me? Other people see the outside. They don't know your heart. They may think you're doing pretty good. But you know what it really is in your heart. And God knows your heart. And if you're just messing around with stuff, slipshod, and you're not giving God your best, Cain came in there with some stuff out of his uh, his garden in his field. Wasn't his best. It was offering time. And he didn't really want to do it. But he got some together. Everybody's bringing stuff. So he brought something. And he put it there and thought, well, there it is. And he left. But Abel, he went out to the pasture. And he said, it's offering time. And I love God. Only the best I've got is be good enough for God. And he looked around, and like we said last week, he looked at this one, and he looked at that one. He looked at Spot, and he looked at Biffy, and he looked at Juju, and then he saw Fluffy. (laughs) Fluffy was the prettiest thing in the whole county. Fluffy won ribbons at the fair. Fluffy had not a blemish. Fluffy was picture perfect. And he said, it's going to be Fluffy. Fluffy, you're it. I'm going to give you to God. Amen? Amen. 
And now here's the deal. It, it wasn't, I'm sure, you know, the earth had been affected by the curse. I'm sure you could have taken a microscope and you could have found something wrong with Fluffy. Because it was in the earth. But you couldn't have found anything wrong with Abel's heart. Are you with me? God wasn't just looking at Fluffy. Right? He wasn't looking at a sheep. He's not looking at checks. He's not looking at cash. Right? He sees the heart. This is serious stuff. I said, this is, this is so serious. It was such a serious rift. Next thing we see, there's murder. Cain killed his brother over this. Why? The devil hates this. It's such a pure thing to God. When you give God your best, and when you, not, we're not just talking about money, in any area, when you give God your best, and you reach for the excellence, because you want to honor Him, and you want to please Him, and you want to bless Him, that, that does something to the heart of God. The Bible said God accepted that sacrifice from Abel. His heart was open to him. His love was towards him. And his blessing was on him. And all oh, this makes the devil jealous. Because oh, he's lost that. He used to be in the presence of the Most High. And he has lost that. And when he sees God loving us like that, and he, instead of him giving his best to God, he rebelled against God. And when we stepped up and give our best to him and he sees the love and the blessing from God, it made him so mad. He looked for something to kill and he got, he was able to influence Cain. And, and it wasn't because God was, was playing favorites and said that Cain couldn't have the blessing. He told him, if you do right, shall you not be accepted? In other words, check your heart. Make some adjustments. You can be blessed. I'll receive you too. You can't come here playing though, because God knows the heart. Oh, this is a serious thing. Do you remember what happened in the book of Acts? Barnabas came, gave land that was in his family. And, and it wasn't the land. It, the land was great. The, the money was great. But that wasn't what it was. It was the heart. Man, Barnabas stood up and gave his whole heart to God and demonstrated it in this generous big gift. And Ananias and Sapphira saw that. And they saw that they were saying, oh, Barnabas, ain't he a, a sold out man of God? Look at that and the blessing on his life. And so they wanted that. And so they came and lied to the preachers and lied to God. And said, yeah, we've, we sold the whole thing and we gave the whole thing to God. Now you hear the thing? What was this about? The whole thing. The whole thing. But it wasn't a matter of the whole, the, the, the preacher, the man of God said to him, you know, this was in your hands. You could have done whatever you wanted to with it, but you stood up here and lied to God like you were giving everything. Next thing you know, they're dead. Dead. That's how serious this thing is to mock a wholehearted, pure gift of excellence. Is a, is a, a thing serious enough to judge immediately. Oh, but friend, it opens something. I said it opens something. We're told it opens the windows of heaven. It opens the avenue of God's blessing. 
When you open your heart. And excellence flows. Can you say amen? amen. Abel gave his very best. Y'all are too quiet on this. Uh, don't, don't let this scare you. Don't let it bother you. Be encouraged. I said be encouraged. That you too. Can give God your best. What the Lord say was the, the first and greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart. All your soul. All your mind. All your strength. How much? Half is not okay. Is it? All. The, the devil is such a liar. He tells people, he's convinced Christians all over the planet, that if they really give God their all, they won't be happy. If you don't save some for yourself. If you really just gave God everything and just served him wholeheartedly, 100%, just went for God, as we say, whole hog, just everything, that you wouldn't have as much fun, that you'd, you'd, lose, you'd lose your life. <laughs> yeah, you would. And then you'd find it. Amen. I said, and then you'd find it on a level you never even imagined. Amen. People, by the millions, are holding back. They're reserving. Yeah, I'll go to church. Yeah, I'll put something in the offering. Yeah, I'll pray once in a while. But I've got my life. I've got my stuff. And i got to do that. And, you know, and I'll, you know, I'll do some things here to help you out. God doesn't want your help. He wants you. Amen. Lock, stock. Barrel. He wants every part of your heart, every part of your mind, every part of your strength. He wants you. Amen. Amen. And he wants your heart to be completely towards him. And he wants you to step up and give him your best every day in everything. Amen. Now, this is not as hard as it sounds. All you got to do is follow your heart. Follow your heart. You're doing something. And you, you get tired of fooling with it and you think, well, that's good enough. But in your heart you go, no, I could do better. Now here's where, here's where it's made or broke. If you say, ah, good enough, forget about it, you know, that's good enough. And you go on, you just dulled yourself a little bit to the voice of God. And you, you just undermined the conf your confidence a degree. You impaired your faith. If you do that again and again, day in, day out, week after week, month after month, that's how you get in the shape a lot of people are in. They're dull. They don't hear from God. And their confidence is not there. Well, that's good enough. Mm -mm. You stay with it till your heart's satisfied. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Till, till you can honestly say, that's the best I know. That's the best I know. It's the best I know to do. It's the best I know to give. And, and you can live like this. Somebody say amen. amen. You should. This is the key to fullness of joy. Amen. amen. You should be able to lay down at night every night. And go, I did the best I knew. You know, I'm sure I could have done better in something, but I didn't know. I did the best I knew. 
for where I am right now. I gave it my all. Can you say amen? Amen. And if you do that, your, your conscience is going to be clear. And when your conscience is clear, you're going to hear from God clearly. And when your conscience is clear, there's nothing condemning you. You're, you're assuring your heart before the Lord so you have confidence to pray a prayer, to make a confession of faith, and be, be full of expectation that it'll happen, that it'll come to pass. Turn with me to Second Chronicles 16. Second Chronicles 16 and 9. He said, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. What's he looking for? He wants to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is Perfect, the King James says. Other translations say wholehearted. Whose heart is perfect toward him. Wholehearted. We we just read today, if you read in your scriptures, in Revelation, he talked to individuals about leaving their first love, didn't he? They were all fired up and they were giving God their all. Then they cooled off. And now it was just half effort or a third effort. We're not led by condemnation now. Please don't misunderstand me. Because if, if you don't understand this, the enemy will try to take advantage of your ignorance and jump in on everything you do and go, that ain't good enough. You could have done better. You could have done better. You could have done better. And you don't want to go around all the time saying, I could have done better. Well, if you could have, why didn't you? Yeah. Well, we could have done better. Well, why didn't you? See, people don't even believe that. It's just a saying. I want you to quit saying that. Did you hear me? Yes. Quit saying that. That's not, the Bible doesn't say that. Well, we could have done better. I'm sure if we had full knowledge, we could have done better. That's not the question. God's not looking at us according to what we don't know. <laughs> right? Amen. He's dealing with us according to the light we have. He's not holding us responsible for light we don't have. That's not the question. The question is, did we do the best we knew how? Were we walking in all the light we had? Did we give it our best? If we did, God calls that a perfect heart. Amen? And, and, and he, that qualifies that you gave him the best, which qualifies you for him to give you his best. Hallelujah, which qualifies you for him to show himself strong and mighty in the earth on your behalf. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, let me give you this example, and maybe this, this will help show some of this. Uh, some years ago, some guys that Phyllis and I went to high school with, we had seen them years later after we were in the ministry, and we asked them about their, you know, condition of being saved and all that. And in a service, they gave their heart to the Lord. One of them did. One of them came back to the Lord. And they got saved, got filled with the Spirit. 
And they were so happy. And we saw them a few months after that. So I asked them, I said, how are you guys doing, you know? Uh, are you going to church? Are you reading your Bible? Uh, you know, you praying any? And and the lady said, well, you know, I, I guess we, we could do better. She said, uh, she said, I guess none of us prays enough. I guess none of us reads our Bible as much as we should. I guess none of us prays as much as we should. And other people in the room said, yeah, amen, sad but true. And, and when, uh, when, when she said that, something set wrong in my spirit about that. I didn't know why, but something I thought, something's not right about that. But I didn't say anything. I didn't know why. And later on in the time of prayer that came back up in my spirit and I remembered what she said, well, I guess none of us have prayed enough. I guess none of, none of us ever read the Bible enough. I guess, and that mentality. And, uh, in, in praying in that time of prayer, the Lord asked me a question. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but very distinctly, he said, Keith, am I unreasonable? I thought, are you unreasonable? No, sir, I don't believe you're unreasonable. Then he said, can you read your Bible enough? I thought, well, can you read your Bible enough for a day? If you couldn't read your Bible, how much would be enough to satisfy the Lord? If you have to read your Bible 24 hours a day. I mean, doesn't the Lord know that we got other stuff to do? You got to sweep your floor and you got to wash your clothes and take the kids to school. And don't he know all that? He said, am I unreasonable? He asked me again, am I unreasonable? I said, no, sir, I don't believe you're unreasonable. He said, can you pray enough? I said, well, you must be able to pray enough or else the Lord wouldn't be reasonable. He said, am I unreasonable? Do I require of you what you cannot do? I said, no, sir, I don't believe that. He said, then you can pray enough. You can read enough. How would you know that you'd read enough? You'd be satisfied in your spirit. Now, you didn't read enough for the rest of your life. But for today, that's good enough. Amen. How would you know you prayed enough? Check in here. What if you feel like inside I just hadn't prayed enough today? Huh? Well, see, here, here's the lie. Millions of Christians are convinced you never could pray enough anyhow, so don't even try. Right? You never could do a good enough job serving God, so let's just all forget about it. We're all just, you know, our righteousness is as filthy rags. We're just worms in the sight of God. We're just old sinners, barely saved by grace, so... Let's just hold on and hope he can put up with us till we get to heaven. <laughs> that is not the Bible. No. no, you can please God every hour of every day of your life. And he is not unreasonable. He knows what you know. He knows what you don't know. He knows what you can do. He knows what you can't do yet. He knows. And he knows when you do the best you know how with what you've got and what you know, he looks at it and goes, that's acceptable. Amen? Amen. You know, Abel didn't give him the biggest offering that had ever been given, but for that day and in his life, he did the best he could do. And God said, that is acceptable. Amen. Amen. He accepted it. He was pleased with it. And his love flowed. And that can be you every day of your life. That can be me. That can be this whole church every day of our life. 
God can be pleased with us because we're doing, when we get to something, we thought, well, I'm not satisfied. Do some more. Well, that seemed like we could do better on that. Keep on until you get to the place where, yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, I sense that in my spirit. That's the best I know. Now, God is pleased with you. And I'm telling you, when God's pleased with you, the grass is greener. The birds sound better. The sky is bluer. I mean, no condom. You, you don't have that any guilt and that condemnation, your conscience bothering you. Well, you could have done better. You, you don't have that all the time. You say, no. And if the devil comes and says, well, you could have done better. You say, no, not, not for where I was at. I didn't know any better. It's best I knew. I did the best I knew how to do. You know it in your heart. Amen. And God looks at that and calls it perfection. Amen. And it's our best is going to get better. Everybody say that out loud. Our best, our best is going to get better. My best giving is going to get better. My best service is going to get better. My best faith is going to get better. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My best is getting better. Lift up your hands and let's praise God a little bit. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.